0: Welcome to Simple Sarah's Horror Menagerie. I'm your host, Sarah Sin, tackling horror movies, peeling back the layers, and taking a deeper dive into them. Again on the show, I don't just discuss my love of horror movies. I like to bring in the aspect and perspective of horror and history, how horror movies tend to reflect society's fears. And since I am a psychology major, I like to bring this aspect and perspective in as well and see how the horror movie I'm focusing on reflects psychology and mental health in any way. So I know I said I wouldn't have an episode out this weekend. I know last weekend I said, oh, I have a project due, but it seems that my teacher put the wrong due date for our final project. It's not due this weekend on Sunday. It's actually due in like 10 days. I think she said the 15th. So I will not have an episode out probably that weekend because I have to work on my final project. Not sure yet. I know I won't be doing an episode every single weekend this month, but this weekend I do have one. So last weekend I'm sorry, I thought my final project was due. It's not, so I decided to do an episode anyways this weekend. So, as you all know, new month means new theme, with December's theme being representing the 802 Barbara Crampton. woohoo! So, it's my Barbara Crampton Appreciation Month. Since her birthday is in December, I decided to dedicate this month to her. So, the reason why I say 802 is because that's what the area code for Vermont is which is where I'm from, which is where Barbara Crampton actually grew up. So it makes me very proud to be a Vermonter to know that someone as amazing and a horror icon as Barbara Crampton grew up in the same state that I grew up in. So, like I mentioned before, I know I said this, um I know I've covered a, you know, a handful of movies she's been in. So, I'm going to just focus on like her more recent films instead of like the ones she did back in the day, like cuz I know I've covered at least three of them where she, you know, starred with the amazing Jeffrey Combs. So I want to focus solely on her more recent ones, like the ones she's done in the last, like, I'd say like 10 years is probably what I'm going with. Like, I know that her comeback was um, You're Next. So from like that movie on is my focus for. Her. So this is my Barbara Crampton Appreciation Month. So yay. So with that said, because I'm not really going to talk anymore, I'm still stressed out with work, but whatever I can't do anything about it right now so I'm just gonna continue on and say that we're gonna move on to the first movie for the theme of representing the 802 Barbara Crampton woohoo with 2021's Jacob's Wife directed by Travis Stevens starring Barbara Crampton as Anne Larry Fassenden as Jacob Bonnie Ahrens as the master Nae Chappelle as Amelia Sarah Lind as Carol Mark Kelly as Bob, Robert Rustler as Tom, Jay Devon Johnson as Sheriff Mike. So for horror history, um, I, and I will talk about this later, um, I think it focuses a lot on how society sees assault victims, sadly, like placing the blame on them. Uh, I think it also focuses on that not all marriages are perfect. You know, men are not the dominant species over women. There should be inequality between husband and wife or partner and partner. And also I think it focuses on the whole idea of like females taking back control of their own life, their own body, making their own decisions and standing up for themselves. Psychology and mental health, we got depression, Gestalt's term of stuck, being withdrawn, sexual assault, female sexuality, female empowerment, trauma, finding your voice, gaining confidence and self-esteem. So what is this movie about? Anne, a minister's wife, who finds her days filled with cooking, housekeeping, gardening, and being Jacob's wife, finds no joy in the things she once loved. Her marriage and life is on autopilot until an old flame comes to town. They have a few drinks, reminisce, but when they go to check on the gin mill they will be working on together, Anne is attacked by a mysterious figure. Suddenly, Anne gains confidence and a taste for blood, but realizes that the master has a strong pull on her. Will Anne escape the clutches of the master going back to her old life? Or will the bodies keep piling up as Anne adapts to her new life? Moving on to the subgenre. So this is one that was pretty easy to place into a subgenre, even though it could, again, fit into other subgenres such as Creature Feature or Slasher Flick. Um, A lot of movies don't really, you know, solely fit into one subgenre. They can fit into many, but I always say, like, there's, like, a main one they can fit into. So for this one, it definitely fits into the vampire subgenre because, well, the monster we are dealing with within our movie is an actual vampire. We have our main character who's bitten, starts to change, transforms, and like the lengths they will go or even are willing to go to possibly become human again if they even want to be, you know, human again and might want to just stay who they are because they like who they are now. So I'm going to go over the definition of vampire subgenre. Vampires. They are the undead who usually cannot go out into the sunlight, not able to go out during the day, typically only being able to come out at night from dusk till dawn. In order to survive, they suck the blood of others, drink the blood of the living. There is a lot of lore surrounding vampires that is ever-evolving as people create their own breed of vampire. Most lore includes an allergy to silver or garlic, changing into a bat, and the ability to glamour people. Typically, they are very desirable and people are drawn to them. They can be a sympathetic character or downright evil. So the first thing I would like to talk about is how the attack on Anne, Barbara Crampton's character, by the master, who is a vampire, can actually be seen as a metaphor for trauma, more specifically sexual assault, and how parts of the movie and some of Anne's, like, interactions with others, especially her husband Jacob, mimics how, sadly, many people in society treat these assault victims, placing blame on them instead of the person who attacked them with the attitude of, well, they were asking for it, quote, they were asking for it you know, this sort of, um, it's called rape bias, if I remember correctly, is a term I learned um, in my forensic psychology book. Um, That's what they kind of called it is the way society looks at it as like, well, you were asking for it, you put yourself into the situation to be assaulted, um, which I will go more in depth about. But I definitely think this movie reflects on that kind of bias and how Anne's actual attack can be seen as a metaphor for actual sexual assault. So and as a pastor's wife or minister's wife, she's, you know, she's married to a man of God. You know, he does sermons every Sunday and he works with people through the church. But, you know, it's obvious in the beginning. Sorry. So it's obvious that she's not really happy. Like she loves her husband. That's that's obvious throughout the entire movie. She loves her husband, but she isn't necessarily happy with her actual life. So one night she actually meets up with an old boyfriend named Tom Lowe because they were They're going to be working together, getting this old gin mill back up and running. So they meet up for a few drinks, and afterwards, they head to the gin mill, where they do end up kissing a few times. Even though Anne is hesitant about it, Tom doesn't force himself on her. He doesn't, like, be like, oh, are you sure? You know, you should be making out with me. Let's do this. You know, she's actually very willing to be making out with him. She's hesitant about it because, like I said, she does love her husband, but you know, she's also seeing this old flame and, you know, I think she's just got very conflicting feelings in the moment because she is unhappy with her life. So, like I said, she's hesitant about it, but she does end up kissing, um, Tom. And while they're kind of like wandering around the gin mill, um, they see these two long crates in the middle of the floor. And where did these come from? Tom, they weren't here before? And no. And then Tom actually sits on one. Tom, they're comfy. Have a seat. I won't bite. Anne, I'm not so sure. But she does sit down and they end up kissing some more. Anne, you are still so dangerously handsome. Tom, what's wrong, Anne? Anne, this is so tempting. I just can't do it to Jacob. Tom, are you sure? Anne, yes, Tommy. Thank you for asking. Feelings come and go, but commitments... And right as she's trying to finish her sentence, the crate kind of thumps and they both jump off it. They're kind of like, what happened? Tom opens the crate and it's just a few rats kind of rummaging around. Then the other crate thumps. Tom opens it and it's just hundreds of rats and they attack and kill Tom. That's when we see Anne like scream. She's very scared. She turns around and that's when a dark figure actually grabs her. So later on, we see that Jacob's home, and then he hears Anne come home, and then she's kind of like standing in the shadows, and um, Jacob notices her. Jacob, Anne, where have you been? Anne, at the mill. Jacob, oh, how'd it go? Anne, fine. Jacob, oh, well, it's really late, you know? Anne, I know. I'm going to bed. Jacob fine I'll um I'll be up later and then we see Anne standing in front of her mirror in the bathroom and she's still very like pale like you can tell that she's like in shock from the trauma she just experienced and as she's taking off her jacket we start to see like there's blood all over her and I honestly can't remember but I think we do see the bite marks then we might have we might see them later but I'm pretty sure we realize like there's bite marks there's blood all over her and then she just starts like crying uncontrollably, like is visibly shaken up and upset. And it's just kind of like hysterical because of what she just experienced. She just went through this severe trauma she was, you know, taken advantage of. And, you know, she's now just kind of coming out of the shock and realizing what has happened to her. So this vampire who they refer to as the master, you know, didn't ask Anne whether or not she wanted to be a vampire like she just overpowered her and forced herself onto Anne and forced her to become a vampire you know she bit Anne violating her there was no consent Anne wasn't given a choice by the master the master made this choice for her which is why I say it's definitely mimicking and is a metaphor for sadly sexual assault and rape you know Anne was overpowered she had no choice the choice was made for her the master was like yeah I'm going to turn you into a vampire you have no say in this there was no consent so that's why I'm saying like the whole act of Anne being bitten is definitely a metaphor and it's very symbolic of sexual assault so later on Anne and Jacob decide to go back to the gin mill find the master killer hoping that this will actually change and back to like human make her her old self again they have like this little tussle with Amelia who in the beginning we see is talking to um Jacob because she's having problems with her mom again her mom starts drinking she's a young girl well, you know a young lady and then she ends up going missing so they run to Amelia realize she's been changed into a vampire they end up tussling with her um they end up I don't think they kill Amelia then but Jacob leaves and Anne follows him. Um, Oh, no, wait. Yeah, sorry. So Anne does kill Amelia and then Jacob leaves the mill and Anne goes after him. Sorry. Anne, the master might still be in there. We need to finish this. Jacob, the master, what does it matter? You're no different than him now. You two can have each other. Anne, how can you say that? I'm your wife. Jacob, not anymore. You belong to him. That's your punishment. Anne, it's my what? Jacob, if you hadn't had your little rendezvous with Tom Lowe, none of this would be happening. Anne, this isn't about Tom or the master. This is about us, you and me. Jacob, you had sin in your heart and you brought this upon yourself. Anne, so you're blaming me for being bitten by a vampire? Well, guess what? I think you're just saying these horrible things because you're scared. You're scared to fight for me because ever since we got married, you hadn't had to. I've always just been there, doing exactly what you expected me to do. You don't know how to fight for me because you've never done it. So instead, you're just writing me off as some fallen scarlet woman. And that's pathetic and weak. You're weak. So this is what I mean by it's mimicking how so some people in society, um, you know, See assault victims. So Jacob blames Anne for being bitten by a vampire. You know, this is all her fault. You know, it's her fault because she, you know, went and hung out with Tom Lowe. That's why she got bitten. She's being punished for her sins. He doesn't see that his wife has actually experienced a trauma. She was violated. All he sees is a woman who put herself into the situation to be violated. And like I said, sadly, This mimics a lot of society's views on assault victims, especially female assault victims. You know, they were asking for it. They shouldn't have worn that revealing dress. She shouldn't have gotten drunk. She shouldn't have gone to that party. She shouldn't have worn that short skirt. You know, God forbid a woman is comfortable with her body and sexuality. God forbid a woman is sexually active. God forbid a woman enjoys sex and God forbid a woman likes to party and get drunk because, well, she put herself into the situation to be violated, right? Absolutely wrong, absolutely wrong. And this mentality has to stop. Like, this is what I'm talking about when I mean rape bias. Like, in my forensic psychology book, we learned about this, like, this mindset of how many people think when they learn about assault victims or rape victims, that their mentality is just like Jacob's, like they see it as, well, you put yourself into the situation to be raped. You put yourself into the situation to be assaulted because you went to that party in that revealing dress and got drunk. You decided to go to the bar. You decided to wear that short skirt. You did this to yourself. And that's what I mean by a rape bias that needs to stop No woman, no person in general, but no woman, no matter what their job is, what they're wearing, or what they're doing, is asking to be assaulted. End of story. You know, Jacob treats Anne again as if this is her fault. It's her fault she was bitten by a vampire. She put herself into the situation to be bitten. She, quote, brought this upon herself, as he says. And like I said, no woman, no matter her job, I don't care if she's a prostitute or a stripper, is asking to be assaulted or violated. I don't care what she wears. I don't care if she walks around in a bikini all day long with a short or a short skirt, high heels, and a revealing dress with a very low, you know, V-neck that goes to her belly button, is asking to be violated. No woman who is sexually active, comfortable in her sexuality, and likes to drink and party is asking to be violated. That's what this movie is definitely focusing on and is a metaphor for and is mimicking is how society, so many people in society view females in that light of like, well, you did this to yourself. You brought this upon yourself. And it's so apparent, especially when Jacob says that to Anne, is like, well, you sinned you brought this upon yourself. This is your punishment. And Anne flat out says, so it's my fault for being bitten by a vampire. So that's one of the things I kind of like about this movie is it handles that issue using vampirism, a bite from a vampire as a metaphor for bringing this attention to the viewer and did not ask to be bitten by a vampire. She did not bring this upon herself she did not just because she had a little rendezvous with tom does not mean she has sin in her heart and deserved this punishment and again it's like this bias is so frustrating because it is something that i have heard other people say you know i have heard this from people where they're like well you know she should no and no i don't even want to hear she should have no no woman No, like I said, no person in general, but this movie for me, I'm talking about women. No woman is asking to be violated. End of story. Again, no matter what her job is, no matter what she wears, no matter what she does, no woman is asking to be violated. End of story. And that kind of mindset, this quote, rape bias that I learned about needs to stop. And I think this movie does a really good job by bringing this mindset to the attention of the viewer using vampirism as a metaphor for sexual assault and the trauma that is brought upon the actual assault victim. So I hope that all makes sense. Okay, so the next thing I would like to talk about is actually the relationship between Anne and Jacob. So I definitely wouldn't say it's a broken marriage. Like, they very much love one another, but this necessarily isn't a happy marriage. Like I said, it becomes very obvious, like right off the bat, that Anne is unhappy. Jacob talks over her, interrupts her, dismisses her. Then Anne is bitten by a vampire and starts to change, which in turn changes Jacob and her relationship. So let me go over a few scenes showing how Anne has changed and how it changes the relationship. And then I'll try to go more in depth about what I'm trying to talk about and The scenes I'm going to go over are going to be after she is bitten by the vampire. So the beginning of the movie, you do see like she's not happy. She's kind of stuck in this routine of being like the dutiful wife, the dutiful minister's wife. Like I said, Jacob talks over her, dismisses her. You can tell she's unhappy, probably suffering from some depression, and Jacob's completely blind to it. So Jacob comes home to see that Anne is all dressed up. And again, these are all going to be after she's bitten. Anne. Oh, good. You're home. Get changed. I'd like to go out. So they go out to dinner. Jacob. So, uh, what's the occasion? Anne. Does there need to be one? Jacob. No, not really. It's just unusual. Anne. I must be feeling unusual. Jacob. Could I get a to-go box for my wife, please? Anne. Actually, I'm finished. And we see that she hasn't touched her food. I'm sorry, what? Jacob. It's good. You'll like it. So after dinner, they come home. Jacob goes to bed and Anne is just kind of like standing there in the dark, staring at him. And then all of a sudden she like violently pushes him awake. Not pushes him off the bed, but just like shakes him awake. And then we come to the next morning. Anne, I was having a bad dream. Jacob, I hope that's all it was. Anne, what does that mean? Jacob, let's talk about this later. Anne, why do you always do this? Jacob. Do what? Anne, shut me down. Push me aside. Jacob, oh, come on. That's not true. Anne, will you stop interrupting me? Let me finish my thought, goddammit. Sorry. Jacob, I don't know what's gotten into you lately, but I need to prepare this week's sermon. I'm just going to go get something to eat on the way into town. And don't blaspheme me. So then Jacob notices these changes in Anne, like he really is starting to notice these changes. So he goes to his brother, Bob, and he decides he's going to go talk to him, maybe get some advice. No Anne, just Jacob going to visit his brother and his brother's wife. Bob, where's Anne? Jacob, um, Bob, look, I don't think Anne's the type to fool around. I've already told you that. Jacob, I'm not saying she is. But ever since she met with Tom Lowe, she hasn't been acting right. I mean, 40 years I've known this woman. Every day the same. Now I don't know who I'm coming home to. She's hot. She's cold. She's got a new dress, new hair. I I can't figure her out. Bob. You gotta confront him then. Jacob. I can't do that to Anne. Bob. It's your wife, Jakey. What do you think I would do if Carol came home with that kind of bullshit? Jacob. Yeah, well, I don't know where to find him. Bob, he's down here working in the mill, right? So start there, and don't stop until he understands the damn message. So again, later on, Anne talks about the hunger she has, like this hunger she's feeling, because Jacob actually caught her like she had killed someone and was drinking his blood. And she talks about the hunger she has, and Jacob is like, well, I think I might know something that could actually help you with that hunger, feeling of that hunger. And they end up smoking a joint together. Anne, you're right it is helping. Jacob, dare to take drugs off kids. It's been a long time since I've heard you laugh. Anne, it's been a long time since I felt like laughing. Jacob, I'm sorry I talk over you sometimes. Anne, thank you. I'm sorry I don't speak up more often. What do we do now? Jacob, pray for a miracle. And then later on, Bob is actually over to see Anne Um, and then Carol's there and then Carol's outside and Bob and Anne go outside and realize that Carol is being controlled by the master who's actually speaking through Carol. Master, Adam was born first and then Eve. It was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman who was deceived and fell into transgression. Does that sound fair to you? Anne, my husband is a good man. Master, what does good have to do with it? He is afraid of the life within you. Anne, and you're not? Master, I choose those who I change with care. The rest are pets. And then the master kills Bob. It's good to see you strong, Anne. Anne, what do you want from me? Master, why do you always think in the terms of what others want? Where do you think that sad instinct comes from? I, too, was once a mouse scurrying between the feet of self-important men until the day my master gifted me the kiss of eternity, it gave me confidence, it freed me from my shackles of domestic dependency. I see the same potential in you. What exactly do you want, Anne Anne? I want to live a bigger life, Master. You can the choice has always been yours. Anne is that why I haven't fully turned, Master indeed, taste my blood, and you'll control the hunger. You'll be beholden to nothing but your own whims. But if you don't, the hunger will continue to control you day after day. And then the cops and Jacob show up. They'll never accept you now. Your life could be so much bigger than this, Anne. It's time you made a decision for yourself. Ask yourself how different the world seemed this week. How it sounded. How it tasted. 30 years of being dutiful, obedient, supportive, but never satisfied your own desires. Were you ever really you? Or were you just Jacob's wife? And then Jacob stakes the master. And then, so they kill the master. The master's dead. um, Which actually, you realize when the master's talking, she's not actually the master. She's just been bitten by a master. So Anne doesn't actually turn back. So Anne and Jacob are actually sitting in the house together. Jacob, what do we do now? Anne, sell the house and just vanish. And I want to make my own decisions from now on. Jacob, do we look for a cure? Anne, no, I like who I've become. The hunger will return, but we can still have a happy marriage if we set some ground rules. Jacob, so I'm just supposed to trust you? And he looks at her, she looks at him, and they end up kissing, and that's where the movie ends. So backtracking again, um, really quick. Like I mentioned before, I don't see this as a broken marriage. This is definitely not a broken marriage. These aren't two people who hate each other, but we know that Anne is unhappy with her marriage. Like I said, Jacob talks over her. He dismisses her. He isn't quite controlling of her, but you can tell that he feels that, you know, since he's the man, he's the head of the family and that he probably doesn't really see him and Anne as equals. And what's kind of very sad is that, Jacob doesn't even see like how unhappy his wife is. Like, I don't think Jacob does this because he doesn't care. He doesn't love his wife and he's just like an asshole. (laughs) But I think Jacob just kind of walks around with, as my mother would say, rose colored glasses on. Like he's happy. He's content with where his life is and his marriage. Therefore, Anne must be content and happy as well. Like he doesn't really see how unhappy she is he's just kind of going on his life because he's happy, he's content, therefore Anne must be content. So, but the truth is Anne's unhappy. She's not happy with where her life is. She's not happy in her marriage, but she does love her husband. So, like I said, he's not being an asshole. He's just completely blind to the fact that his wife is actually unhappy. And as I'm watching this movie, I see how it parallels, like, my own marriage, what I'm divorced. So my old marriage, like my ex-husband was happy and content with our simple yet unfulfilling life. Like it was, we were not in a good place. Like we were living with my parents. He kept losing job after job. Like he couldn't maintain a job, but he was happy, you know? And I remember doing little things here and there for him to kind of like make him feel special, like cooking him his favorite meal. Um, when we were scheduling, when I became pregnant and we were scheduling an ultrasound, I ended up putting it on his birthday. So on his birthday, we got to see the first image of our child. Like I always remember doing these things for him. They could be little things, but I was still trying to do these things to make him feel special within our marriage. But he didn't do the same for me. Like I remember asking him more than once, like I would say like, what happened to those little things you used to do for me? Like, you don't do these little things anymore. Like I'm still trying to do things to like show how special you are and how much I love you, but you don't do anything like that for me anymore. Like any of those little things that made me feel special. And his response every single time was always the same. I don't have to, I have, you now. we're married. Like those were his little, literally like his exact words were, well, I don't have to do those anymore. We're married. And I kept thinking like, you know, he had the same attitude as Jacob. Well, if he's happy, I must be happy. If he's content in the marriage, I must be content in the marriage. But I was like, I'm not like, I wasn't happy. I wasn't content. Like now that we are married, it was like, he didn't have to try anymore. And that was what was so frustrating with our, one of the many things that was frustrating about our marriage was that he didn't have to try anymore because now we're married. It doesn't matter. And I saw that in Jacob was that, They're married now. He doesn't have to try anymore. He's content. Therefore, Anne must be content. So, like I said, this relationship between Anne and Jacob kind of paralleled my own marriage, you know. And you do see that Anne loves her husband. Like she loves Jacob. She says it throughout the entire movie that she loves her husband, but she's just unhappy. You know, she feels stuck, but she doesn't speak up. You know, she continues to be the quote, obedient and dutiful pastor's wife. And that's what we see throughout the beginning of the movie. But then all that changes Anne starts to gain confidence, speaks up for herself and starts to take control back into her life. Like she takes control of her life back. And what I do love about this movie is that despite everything, everything Anne went through, everything Anne's going through, all the changes within Anne as she becomes, you know, stronger and more confident, Anne and Jacob love each other. That is something you see throughout the entire movie. Anne refuses to leave Jacob after she's bitten and does find her voice and makes it known that she is equal to him. She loves him. She voices that, but she wants to be an equal to him. And even after Anne goes through like this transformation, Jacob fights, fights, actually ends up fighting for her, like to help her find a cure at first. Like he wants to cure her. He wants her to go back, but Once he realizes and kind of understands that Anne likes who she's become, she likes who she is now, he still sticks by her side and he stays with her. So throughout all of it, even though she's unhappy, they love each other and that they are going to stay together no matter what. Jacob's going to accept Anne now that she has changed. This is who she is. She's become stronger, more confident sexier she's more empowered and Jacob stays you know he doesn't leave her in the end which honestly at first I thought was what was going to happen was that Jacob was going to leave her and be like no I can't handle this but I do like that they decided to say no these people do love each other so therefore they are going to stay together and they're going to work on this together and figure it out together you know so Anne in the end becomes empowered strong confident you know like the master says was she only ever seen as Jacob's wife instead of her own like having her own identity and in a way yeah she was like she was just the pastor's wife she was Jacob's wife and like i said i don't think Jacob ever realized how not so much controlling he was but like how much control he had within their marriage um but now you know Anne has taken back some of that control You know, not so she can be the one in control. This isn't about her taking it back and being like, I'm going to control you now. But it's more that she just wanted to be seen as equals to Jacob. That's all Anne ever wanted to be equal to Jacob, to be a team. No one had power over the other. They love each other. But Anne needed to take back some of that control in order to make them equals. She, you know, she should be able to make her own decisions. Jacob should listen to her as she speaks, not talk over her and dismissing her. And he needed to see her in all her glory, the beautiful sexual being she is. And she was more than just his wife. She was more than just Jacob's wife. She was an actual human being, a person with a personality and beautiful and, like I said, sexy and there's sexuality with being a woman. And like I said, didn't want to be in control. She wanted to take back some control in her own life and have a say in her life and make her own decisions. And in the end of this movie, she's empowered, confident, and strong. And like I said, I like that Jacob accepts this change, stays by her side, and decides to let her be happy with the person she has become. So I hope that all makes sense. So I'm going to move on to my reviews. Joe Blow says Jacob's wife puts Barbara Crampton front and center where she's always belonged. Like Rocky, she goes the distance and doesn't disappoint. We get a story with a good message mixed with intriguing vampire lore and a bit of dark wit throughout. Larry Fassenden is fantastic as Jacob and brings enough dry humor and heart to the role that he makes an unlikable character surprisingly likable. They make for a fun duo who should lead more films together. Jacob's Wife is a blood-soaked good time that gives Barbara Crampton the role of her career. Killer Horror Critic says, Vampirism is often portrayed as a curse, but in Jacob's Wife it's presented as a kind of freedom, in which for the first time in over 30 years, Anne is finally allowed to feel in control of herself again. Sure, she goes through all the typical becoming-a-vampire tropes, such as that classic newfound craving for blood, but what Stephen does different with his film is flip the grim nature of these tropes on their heads, with Anne actually relishing in it all. Instead, she feels confident, has rediscovered her sexuality, and will be goddamned if Jacob or anyone else tries to control her. So, overall, this movie is a clever and entertaining take on the vampire subgenre that is funny yet generally creepy at times, with some fun, over-the-top gore moments that will make you laugh and squirm at the same time. This movie tackles some serious issues in a way that brings these topics to the viewer's attention without shoving it down their throats, making the viewer become more aware. Barbara Crampton as Anne is phenomenal. She completely steals the show. She is sexy yet scary, strong willed yet loving all at the same time. My only complaint is that the movie was trying to make Anne mousy and plain in the beginning so we could see the physical change she goes through as she transitions into a vampire, you know, becoming sexy and more confident. But come on, you can't make Miss Crampton plain no matter how much makeup you try to put on her or how much makeup you don't put on her. This woman is gorgeous and amazing with that signature smile and her mesmerizing eyes. So proud to say that I'm a Vermonter. I love the fact that Barbara Cranton was raised in Vermont, and this is where I'm from. If you haven't seen this movie, put it on right now. I do know it's on Shudder, but I will say it's worth the rental if you actually don't have Shudder, but in all honesty, go get Shudder. It's worth the monthly cost. Jacob's wife will not disappoint you. You will find yourself glued to your screen, especially when Miss Cranton graces us with her presence. So I'm going to wrap it up for today. Thank you again for joining me here on Simple Sarah's Horror Menagerie. Again, I'm your host, Sarah Sin. Thank you for sticking around as I discuss horror history, psychology, and mental health within horror movies. Hope you enjoyed the show. Again, thank you for listening. And I just want to remind everybody that there's a horror movie out there for everyone to enjoy. So thank you. <laughs>